0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. You know, by no longer having something above or below you, by making everything equal, um, which you can do by pulling down, um, you sort of are creating a oneness of life where there's nothing separate from you. And so, I think in a lot of like the debauchery and stuff that comes up in the album, um, through transgressive acts, um, you can reach a sort of spiritualism
1: hey what's up vox and hops heads i'm matt the vocalist of cryptopsy and the host of the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts where i sit down with fellow metal musicians talk about their lives music and craft beer hope you had a great weekend i most certainly did we are now in the second week of vox and hops sober february 2022 which is presented by pitch black north the satanic tea company I'm just so damn stoked to have Pitch Black North as a part of Sober February 2022. In case you are not aware as to who Pitch Black North is, every sip is blasphemy. All of their products are ethically sourced, expertly crafted, and they are made in small batches. You'd think that Pitch Black North, the satanic tea company, only makes tea, but that's not true. They also have some coffee. If you head on over to their website, pitchblacknorth.com, that's P-I-T-C-H-B-L-A-C-K-N-O-R-T-H.com, you will see that they have two coffees up there right now. They got their satanic coffee medium available, and they also have something super cool, which is the crucifixion of Christ. The Crucifixion of Christ is a diabolical blend of their classic vanilla Earl Grey tea with some of their satanic coffee beans if you were to pick up some of their products right now you can use the promo code VoxHops15 that's V-O-X-H-O-P-S 1-5 and you will save 15% off of your entire purchase. By doing this you will not only be getting some of the best satanic tea and coffee out there but you will also be supporting the podcast. So head on over to pitchblacknorth.com and use that promo code VoxHops15 and you will save and support the podcast at the same time. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of sick shows all year long. They are announcing a bunch of them recently. I just can't wait to get back into a venue and get blasted with extreme metal while enjoying some beers with my friends. I am greatly looking forward to that. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops metal podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves metal, someone that you grew up listening to metal to, someone that you went to your first concerts with. Well, first off, you should hit them up and tell them that you miss them and then let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal podcast exists. You could tell them that there are over 300 episodes for them to check out. With some of the world's best metal musicians, and it's available on all podcast platforms. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now in today's episode I'm with Dylan Neal of Thief. This is Vox and Hops episode number three hundred and twenty-three. I warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Dylan Neal of Thief and Ex-Botanist. Dylan, how are you doing? Uh, Big fan of what you do. I have been for uh, quite some time now, so I'm very, very excited to have a conversation with you today. Let's start with a very easy one. How are you doing today?
0: Pretty good. Woke up, went for a walk, got some coffee... And here I am. It's early morning here. Well, it's like 11.
1: I love it. It's amazing. It's the perfect interview time. I, my, my 2 p.m. Saturday slot that I've been keeping for the past two years. I love it because I can talk to people in the morning on the West Coast here in, in Canada in in Montreal. Sorry, it's 2 p.m. and then I can still talk to people in Europe and it's like 7 p.m. for them. So it's like the perfect interview time. I love it. Uh, let's talk yeah. deeper, darker. Question, uh, how did you cope with this glorious year, this glorious lingering year that has lingered into the next year? How did you cope with 2020, 2021, hypothetically, a little bit of 2022? How have you been coping with these glorious days?
0: Pretty well, actually. I'm, I am I hate to say it because I know it's a lot of suffering involved, but I like, you know, I I'm an introvert. I like staying at home. <laughs> so I just had more time for... Music, reading, video games—I um, didn't mind it, you know. <laughs> so it—it it, it really wasn't too much for me, you know. It was, of course, it was—it uh, could be—it was scary, especially in the beginning. You know, I knew what was going on, and you know, I've got elderly parents and stuff. But um, all things uh, uh, considered, pretty good.
1: I'm very, very happy that you enjoyed. Taking time to be inside and uh, to write a really cool record. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that because I'm—I've been a huge fan since uh, the Map of Lost Keys came out. I typically always listen to Apple's suggested playlist of the new music while I'm cooking on Sundays, and they put one of your tracks in there. I can't remember exactly which track was it. It, it was, but it—it uh, it intrigued me. I walked from the kitchen to the iPhone to to see what this band was what is this who is this and that doesn't happen all the time and then i downloaded the album enjoyed that very much uh, i remember putting it as an album of the week for vox and hops uh, early on when i started doing those and then i was asked to have a conversation with you today about your new record and i love it just as much as much more dark it's much more evil we're going to get into that <laughs> later <laughs> but oh, first yeah. we're going to talk about beer Because it is Vox and Hops. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, this is a sober February episode, and uh, you don't actually drink beer anymore. But talk to me about your very first beer before we dig into why you don't drink beer anymore.
0: Sure. Oh, my very first beer, uh, I remember it was a Takate, Takati, Takate, however you want to say it. I don't know if you have them up there
1: yeah absolutely the mexican lager yeah
0: yeah yeah Uh, i had it at i think i was i don't know 15 or something and maybe 16 and there was a mexican restaurant that did not check your id Uh, so we would go there and order a pitcher and drink it as quickly as as quickly as we could that was my (laughs) first that was my first beer
1: since since you are not drinking beer with me today what are you drinking dylan you mentioned you went to go get a cup of coffee was is there something special going on there
0: I am drinking a cafe latte. I usually make my own brevet, um, Mm. but um, I've been a little too lazy to go out and get some nice espresso grounds. So I went out today and this uh, Korean bakery, I live in Koreatown, um, and they make pretty good... uh, Pretty
1: good beverage. On my side, I'm going to be drinking something very cool, something that came out last year. This is Cryptopsy's None So Vile. Max Caffeinated Coffee from Grindcore Coffee Company. Uh this shit is rocket fuel you drink this your, your brain just explodes and I, the first time i had this actually i just cleaned my entire house and <laughs> and rebuilt my daughter's bed into a bunk bed which was something that was like in the back of my mind that i was supposed to be doing for forever and i just never did it <laughs> but that day i had the fuel to do it really brutal it's still available now i believe if it's not we're definitely going to make more of them um core coffee absolute rules
0: i want that That's, I mean, that's not to toot your horn too much. Although it was, I think, you know, pre your time, but that's maybe the it's top three greatest death metal. whatever albums of all time
1: well thank you thank you and i agree that it is uh very important and influential on many 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 bands and i say it all the time whenever i'm being the guest on an interview uh they didn't rest on their laurels they could have kept putting out uh none so vile part two part three part four like a lot of extreme metal bands did but cryptopsy decided to be different and we continue to do so today uh but back to you uh, so now you do not enjoy ticates, uh illegally because you're too young. Uh, at what point did you stop enjoying beer?
0: Mm, it's not that I stopped enjoying it. I stopped enjoying the repercussions of my beer intake. Uh, let's see. I think around 2000, uh, 2012 uh, is when I, I had to, I had to give up the drink. I just was, you know, I just had no control over it. It I just kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, I got, I was getting into harder and harder drugs and, uh, mm. uh, yeah, you know, and I tried to, I would stop and try different things and, you know, have like a month of sobriety or whatever. And it just like, I always just went back to drinking too much. Um, it runs in my family.
1: <laughs> What's a moment when you would do those sober months and then you would feel like you're ready to get back into it? But then it's just a trick that you're doing to yourself, basically.
0: Yeah, I would I would pretty much pick up right back where I left off, you know, which is either, you know, I'd say like, I'm just going to have one or two drinks tonight. And then I fucking wake up on the floor at 2 a.m. and I'm like, what the fuck? Or, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't make it a month. You know, I would set a time, Uh you know, that I wouldn't drink and have no good reason to and i just be like ah fuck it i'm gonna drink you know uh,
1: and then there's the shame with that
0: shame yeah and then just fucking you know getting in trouble uh-huh. you know with either friends or the law or whatever crazy shit i was shit. getting into shit. yeah oh, so you
1: definitely made the right choice to move forward uh if there's someone out there listening right now that feels like they're in that same situation what would you say to them Say one of your closest friends was there listening to you right now, and you know that they're, ha- they're basically where you were back then. What would you say to them? What would you have liked to have heard from a close friend that actually made sense to you?
0: I'm not sure there's much you can say. You know, I would just say like, you know, it's, a, it's only a problem if you find yourself in, unable to control your drinking or the amount you're drinking, Um, and, uh, that you're having, you know, that your drinking is causing you consequences in your life. And if that's the case, um, you know, you might want to look into sobriety, you know, try it on your own. You could try 12 step. You could maybe if it's real bad, do rehab, like, uh, no shame. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all, it's all chemical and, uh, you know, reach out if you know anyone that's sober, reach out you know um so many different ways people get sober you know 12-step smart programs whatever
1: there is no one right way that that's true and I having done sober february episodes before yeah. and spoken to many people that have gone through it each person's path is different absolutely and, and the, the most important thing is getting to the end of that path and living life one day at a time most of the time
0: yeah yeah it's it's you know it's sort of like religion like of course there's no one right religion and it's different people are suited for different paths and it really doesn't matter the end path is like to be sober and happy you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: So take your pick whatever works you uh,
1: I, I think it's really important to talk about these subjects to to spread the word about balance and the fact that it is an illness you know because people can't control themselves it's not because mm-hmm. you wake up and you want to go and do this yeah, absolutely. it's something that over it overtakes you. It's an addiction. It's it's
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I thought, you know, for a long time in my head, an alcoholic or an addict was someone that was, you know, laying in the gutter mm-hmm. five days a week.
1: Mm-hmm. That's not and true. Then, there's a lot of high, no, no. high. there's a lot of high functioning alcoholics and drug users out there
0: yeah yeah and I came to find like I you know it's uh, my life circumstances were a little different, but I was sort of suffering from what seemed to be the same thing, which was an in- inability to stop, you know, or stay stopped when oh. I would stop, you know, and it was really uh it was really quite interesting to sort of watch it once I became more aware of it um of how much willpower like it it's not part of it. It's like if you're starving. Um, even though, you know, you're not starving, you're going to eat, you'll do whatever you can to eat. You know, it's pretty wild.
1: What about the, these circle of friends that was around that? Did you have to cut some ties? Did you have to, or were were other people more like, Oh, finally he saw the light.
0: You know, I, I had one or two lower companions that, you know, I, I sort of, realized that we were just around each other to use or Mm -hmm. drink enabling each other yeah and but other than that like i still have my you know i'm still friends with all my old friends and i think they're the ones that were were aware of it you know were especially grateful and you know happy and encouraging for me
1: what were the the hardest moments of going to a party afterwards (laughs) do you remember your first party back and how did you get through that night
0: yeah. Let me think. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really start smoking cigarettes until after I got sober, Okay, you know, cause it's, it's just a, a social thing to have and to, and to, you know, be, I don't know, to have something to do. So I think cigarettes and having like kombucha or, you know, uh, some carbonated water, just fucking doing that. And also like, Driving myself to parties was really important because then I can just leave whenever the fuck I want,
1: you know? Don't rely on someone else, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, it, you know, it was only maybe the first year where it took me really, you know, it really took me time to get comfortable being at places where there's, you know, drinking and stuff. Um, you know, nowadays I'm on it, I'm around it all the time. You know, especially if I, you know, on tour or whatever, it's fucking everywhere.
1: So I say it all the time. It's we are going to play a show. The f- crowd that is coming, it's their special night. Yeah. They've saved up for this. They're going to have a party and they expect us to be along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't know we've been doing this for, you know, four, four weeks straight. Sometimes with yeah. no days off, uh, sleeping in, in not the best conditions and sometimes partying too hard the night before even. And you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take it easy tonight. So yeah, like I can definitely feel that.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah, after about a year, it was all right. And just having, you know, support to call upon if I was ever feeling weird.
1: Well, congrats to you for your your many years of sobriety, Uh, and thank you so much for for sharing this important message. Uh, There was a time, though, uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, that you were into craft beer. Uh, It's sort of weird going back to it now, but I am interested in hearing if when you were enjoying craft beer, what what craft beers did you enjoy?
0: Uh, Absolute favorite was, and I never know if I'm pronouncing this right, the Rochefort 8?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. So good that the eight was my favorite, um, and, and the ten was also very good. Yeah, a, a lot of Belgian stuff, um, and then I have these um, which I've saved for years and years and years and years because I think they're so awesome. I've got the Jester King, yes, uh, yes. a black metal stout. This thing was like, well, let me I think it's yeah, ten percent alcohol, super deep coffee, chocolate definitely like one glass in you in your full sort of thing <laughs> really good though i remember loving that and then i've got the thrash metal one here too just uh super fucking red which is a blonde i think it was like 9% yeah 9.3 um very like you know lighter hoppy wheat e um yeah i think those are the, those are the ones I, I remember the most uh it's been so long but the the rochefort is one that really stuck in my head
1: mm, delicious delicious and jester king rules uh jeffrey stuffings if you're listening to this i want to have you on the podcast i have to say that
0: <laughs> make a non-alcoholic beer yeah make please. a non-alcoholic metal beer that'd be that'd be tight because that's something i've been getting more and more into is, uh you know what they do with like non-alcoholic hoppy beer is pretty mm-hmm. amazing
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's really taken off here in Quebec as well. Um, in the states right now, um, there's Brewdog that does a really cool one for Lamb of God called Ghost Walker IPA. It's actually pretty god darn good. It's got like a little mm. caramel bitter bite with the, from the hops, caramel from the malts. Really, very good. More of like a West Coasty style IPA. Very <laughs> delicious. I recommend it. Uh, let's talk about the soundtrack of your youth. Growing up in your parents or guardians' house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to?
0: Oh man, you know, if my dad was playing music, which usually he was, if it was a road trip, <laughs> it was Bob Dylan, of who I'm named after. Hmm. It was Bob Bob Marley. <laughs> it was. Like John Prime, a lot of sad bastard music, you know, stuff like that. Now, my mom was playing music. My mom had a great taste of music, um, you know. It was a lot of Radiohead, uh, like the yeah, like um, she gave me my first Bjork CD. She gave me my first like the you know Weezer's Blue album, Yes, um, Offspring Smash. Um, so it, it, it was a lot of like alternative rock and some cl- classic stuff too. a lot of talking heads. Let me think. What else? Uh, that's, that seems to be what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. My mom kind of got me in at a young age to like the nineties sort of alternative rock scene of, you know, Nirvana and you know radiohead or whatever i don't know what genres you want to call them, but yeah no Smash definitely and, it's
1: like yeah the 90s alternative rock scene yeah mm. my dad was a little bit older i guess and he was like a hair metal fan he fucking hated all the new stuff just just oh really despised it so <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah but i grew up listening to music in my dad's car and that's where i discovered metal for the first time a little bit softer uh, hair metal but definitely opened the doors to many things and led me to think anything with a guitar solo was dad music. Yeah. Uh huh. Which which explains why I became a new metal child. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. How about your first shows? Do you remember the very, very first show you went to go see live, your first live music experience?
0: Like any genre show? Yeah,
1: exactly. To that first experience to something like a production and yeah. uh
0: yeah. Ricky Martin, It's great. No way. <laughs> 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 yeah man
1: that's amazing
0: yeah for friend tickets and i you know i thought it was super cool i didn't know anything you know no I, mean, I think it was fourth grade it must have been fourth grade uh yeah fucking live in la vida loca
1: unbelievable i've been lying yeah. the whole time of the podcast and i realized just recently um i've always been saying that it's slipknot or corn but i remember my aunt taking me to go see Fred Penner.
0: Fred Penner. I don't yeah, even know that Yeah, he's is. a
1: Canadian um, children's songwriter. Uh, yeah, and I remember going to see him and being uh, very interested. And Sharon and Lois and Bram, too, I think they brought me to, also Canadian um, children's songwriters. Yeah. Uh-huh. How about your first time on stage?
0: Like uh, with a band?
1: Yeah, or just anything, your first experience uh, having to get ready, performing something, and then stepping up onto that stage and doing it for the first time.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Oh, this is embarrassing. That's why it's I asked. Not, yeah, <laughs> not a cool story. Yeah. I remember I was at some sort of summer camp. It was like a day camp. It wasn't like a sleep away, you know, but your your parents drop you off because both my parents work. And it was like, you know, I was raised religious. So it was like a Christian camp and it was super lame. And they knew I played guitar. And so they asked me to like learn all these like, chord uh structures for these like super lame
1: christian sing-along songs
0: yeah 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 i didn't know how to play chords all i knew how to play were like rage against the machine songs you know i could just i could just play uh you know like heavy pentatonic scales you know uh and (laughs) i remember i spent like a whole week trying to learn like okay g to a g to a c to a c to a And I totally bombed on stage. I was not good. Also, I didn't care. Like at this time, at that point, I think I was in... I don't remember. I was get, I was getting older, but I was definitely like, "This is some bullshit," you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't really care, but I remember bombing on stage, and the guy who I was also playing guitar <laughs> with me kept like he was he was like one of the counselors, kept like looking over at me, being like, "What the hell is this kid doing?" <laughs> and when you ask like eleven, twelve year old to do something like that, I mean.
1: It's stressful. It's stressful. That first time on stage and, and how you cope with the nerves leading up to it. It's always a yeah. very interesting. How do you cope now? What, what has changed from from back then the 11 year old uh, Dylan getting ready for a show to now when you step onto stage that feeling right before you get on?
0: Mm, I don't know. I just fucking do it. <laughs> I, I really try not to let my I really I have to make sure I'm not getting in my head about anything mm-hmm. and just like. Yeah, I never know when I'm gonna get real nervous you know sometimes especially if we've been playing a lot I'll walk on stage like I'm you know walking into the- Starbucks or something yeah 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 it doesn't matter I'm just like let's do it and then sometimes am like fuck I feel super nervous right now especially if uh-huh. there's friends in the audience that's when i'm like hometown
1: shows the worst
0: i don't like playing local shows because no. i'm just like oh, my fucking friends are here it's so you know
1: i gotta get my parents seated in the right spot yeah, so i know yeah, they're not yeah, gonna yeah. get killed in the pit you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh yeah i just try to stay in my body and just feel like, if i'm nervous just be like man i f- feel uncomfortable right now but i'm i'm gonna lose my shit on stage let's do it
1: Mm, my cathartic release uh is that something Mm -hmm. you had to adapt to back to being sober uh before that you used to cope with your nerves via alcohol before a show and then how oh yeah was those first shows back when you couldn't do that
0: oh i played so many terrible shows because i was too drunk really Okay. oh so many yeah
1: this is with botanist
0: no no i was sober uh, let's see. I think by the time I, uh, botanist started performing live, I just got sober because okay. that was around 2012. Um, so, but before that I had a band with Robert, who's the live drummer and, um, thief and also played hammer, dulcimer and botanist, Robert Chang. We had a band in orange County, uh, for a couple of years and played out a lot and i was just drunk all the time yeah it was just like so sloppy and oh uh, uh and then our rehearsals even if i was sober during the shows our rehearsals i was so fucked up there too like
1: <laughs> they were pointless pointless rehearsals <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah 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 and nowadays uh, oh yeah oh yeah making the switch um trying to think of my first sober show i don't remember you know being in botanist it was easy being on stage because we have the fuck we have the the cloaks on you know yeah, yeah. So i'm like i don't like fuck up no one's gonna know who i am off stage you know <laughs> so it, it really didn't bother me at all
1: it's actually it's, it's actually a good thing that happened that way too
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it was a good transition yeah exactly you know I, but if it, it was like a huge show then there's you know just nerves because i want to perform well provide the best experience but um yeah the transition wasn't too bad uh, both with botanist and thief
1: Mm, that's amazing i love it i love it let's talk about thief a little bit uh the 16 deaths of my master just came out august 27th via prophecy productions um i love it it's really fucking dark way more dark than than (laughs) the map of lost keys uh Mm. take me to writing this one versus writing the previous one uh in the context of the pandemic you, you mentioned that you're an introvert uh you don't mind being on your own uh, i imagine you write this is like a solo thing you write everything on this so so how did this one differ than the last one uh in the context of the pandemic i imagine for you it changed nothing whereas a band it changes a lot of stuff we like started writing stuff on zoom together so i'm mm. curious how it was for a solo artist.
0: Oh, writing over Zoom sounds hellish. It's horrible. (laughs) 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 Okay, you blast beat here.
1: No, no, it was just Chris. Like Chris hooked us up. He has this way of getting us directly into the studio, the audio, and we could listen to that because he sends us some link. But then we all communicate via Zoom, and we're just we're basically writing riffs and placing riffs at that point, not drums or anything. No, yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, it wasn't too different because in terms of like technical approach, it was kind of the same. Like I still have a day job, so Mm. it's like, you know, it's, it's just, it's disciplined work where I get off work and I, um, start doing music, you know, and I, I'm just try to maybe do two hours a day, three hours a day on, on weekdays. Wow. Um,
1: but you got to put the work in. People don't understand that. People think things just happen.
0: No. And you got to you got to work when you're uninspired and you don't want to work also.
1: Absolutely. You got to push yourself. Uh, how does like a song start? It's you, You're such a different musician that I've had on mm-hmm. Vox and Hops. Typically, I have a lot of metal musicians. I know how those songs are created. Where does a mm-hmm. song start for Thief?
0: I would say oftentimes it starts by a mistake, really, or like a found sound. So, um, uh, by mistake, I might be, you know, I might be working on some sort of riff, you know, or sound or whatever, and I'll fuck it up somehow and it'll sound really cool. I'm like, oh, that's a sick, like, bass sound I just made. And then I'll be like, I want that in a song. I'm going to make a song all around that mm. one sound. Um, or, you know, I do, I use a lot of modular synth stuff. If you're familiar with that.
1: Just vaguely. Yeah. I'm a big fan of electronic music, but I don't know how it's made. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just aimlessly patching and suddenly a sound will, you know, oh, yeah. come up and be like, well, that's fucking cool. I'm going to use that as a lead. Or I think we, we it was more common for the first two albums um is uh but i still did it with 16 deaths is um you know i'll go to the record shop and pick up a bunch of cheap classical chant um foreign vinyl and i'll just put it on and listen while i do whatever um and suddenly i'll hear you know just a four or eight bar phrase being chanted and i'll be like oh that's it i'm stealing that you know and then i'll <laughs> i'll take that and i'll plop it in you know my ableton session and then i'll start trying to write around it mm. you know and then maybe i'll have a verse or a chorus made so, and then i'll branch out from there um it, that's pretty much how i made the whole the entire first album was i just sampling other yeah i would just i would just put a whole i would record a vinyl and put it in the session and i would just like just go through it piece by piece you know like like a four bar loop until i heard something that was cool and okay i'm gonna follow that yeah
1: that's so tedious Uh, what are the this is my my musician brain clicking what what are the legalities of sampling other music i know a lot of hip-hop artists do it there was the whole um under Pressure, Vanilla Ice thing that happened. Uh, what are the legalities of what you're doing? Is it legal? Does it matter? Do people care? Has anyone, anyone ever written you say, that's my fucking song, dude?
0: No, it's totally not legal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I...
1: Do you alter it enough?
0: I think I alter it enough. Oh, I would say 80% of the time I'm altering it enough that where it's, no one will ever know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, aside from maybe one or two tracks the 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 samples are so obscure mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah.
1: they'd have to be that artist
0: no one no one will no one will know or care you know like i have this vinyl that is just some it's literally just some lady talking in german about a organ in lubeck and every now and then the organ will play something and then she goes back to talking about it and it's from like you know 1978 who who's gonna know that is or care
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool i think it's so different i love it i love it i love it hey what's up fox and hops i just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours that's right i'm talking about the scream of perseverance tour and our headliner dates This is something that baffles my mind. I write in a group. You write solo. How do you know when it's good? Because I write stuff and I come in and I bounce it off the guys or they do vice versa. They feel I feel this is good. Mm -hmm. But to get that confirmation from someone else that it is good Mm -hmm. sort of solidifies the fact that it it is good and we should continue working on it. How how do you do that?
0: Mm, I'll let a, a track incubate for a long time.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 To to get some distance.
0: Yeah, you know, and let's say I have three or four new tracks that might be on the new album. You know, I won't listen to them for three months, Mm. and then I'll, you know, and then I'll come back to them, something like that. And then also, you know, I bounce a lot of stuff off Chris, the thief's live basis. You know, he's my neighbor here. Very cool. And I really trust. Yeah, I trust his ears and his taste, and I'll just be like. Is this cool or does this suck? I really can't. I don't know.
1: But that, that, that But that's what I imagine it has to be because they're so close to it. Yeah. And, and it's just you.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's sort of like painting. Like, you know, did uh, Francis Bacon, like, show everyone his work? Maybe maybe he did. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's he had some true. neighbor.
1: Maybe he had some neighbor named Chris. That, that that's not. true. He, he,
0: <laughs> Francis Bacon actually did have a neighbor <laughs> that he would give him his paintings to burn and he would burn so many of his paintings. Really? And I was listening to this interview of his neighbor talking and he's just like, if I would have known How the millions you... <laughs> of dollars I burned back then, i would just like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's pretty wild.
1: So on, on that same subject, are there a bunch of tracks that you've burnt because they didn't live up to your standards?
0: I've got, I, I mean, I've probably got at least 70 tracks that
1: on a hard drive somewhere
0: yeah over the last five years that you know just they didn't quite cut it i'm like this is cool but i'm never gonna release this Mm -hmm. you know or maybe as a b-side one day i don't know um yeah so many like half-finished ideas that i'm like this isn't good enough to go out yeah to go out yeah um, but it's fine, it's learning experiences and experimenting and, you know
1: continuation question on that your opinion more so, uh, these artists these famous artists that become super huge and then they pass away and then their family finds these hard drives and then they release the shit how would you feel if that happened?
0: I don't know, I'd be dead <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, 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 right
1: now you don't think they're ready for the world, but then because you're so famous and record companies and family members could make money off of them.
0: Yeah. You know, oh, fuck mean. it let them, <laughs> release them like I might feel right now embarrassed by that, but like I'll be dead, you know, and especially if it's like my family or who, you know, is making money, then super cool. And okay. you know, I don't, I don't care so much about if it was like, you know, Atlantic Records or something but <laughs> um yeah, and I know like I've I I always feel bad. I, I you know, I think I remember reading they're going to release um, uh, the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye.
1: Uh, Salinger.
0: Yeah, I th- they're going to release like Salinger's unfinished book or something, which yeah, exactly. he did not want released. Yeah. And people, you know, I'm just like, eh, he he won't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. <laughs>
1: I want to talk about the lyrical content of 16 deaths because yeah. it's shocking. It's blasphemous and very lots of talk of drug use a lot. So, so I think it's very shocking and, and it's very, you, you speak very clearly. And I f- remember not being so shocked about Map of Lost Keys, the lyrical content versus this one. Or it's just maybe I was listening to the album knowing that we were going to have this conversation. So I was dissecting it a little bit differently. I don't know. Mm. Uh, versus just experiencing it. But, uh, some crazy lines that you've included. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know like I did kill god and I fucked the witness. You say that twice and you switch it up for the second time to that. Mm-hmm. Um talk to me about these blasphemous blasphemous <laughs> drunken drug use um lyrics the content the the concept uh, what what is the concept for this record? Cuz I feel like there's one.
0: Yeah, I think the blasphemous part is one, you know I was raised Christian so It, there is a rebelliousness in there. Um, uh, there is a sort of turning my, you know, an official turning my back, but, um, I think there is a, um, spiritual component in that too. Um, you know, by no longer having something above or below you by making everything equal, um, which you can do by pulling down, um, you sort of are creating a oneness of life where there's nothing separate from you. And so I think in a lot of like the debauchery and stuff that comes up in the album, um, through transgressive acts, um, you can reach a sort of spiritualism. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, if if you're familiar with the Agori, uh, the left-hand path of Hinduism, okay. it's the dudes that, you know, meditate and, crematoriums, spread ashes on them, drink out of skulls, drink their own piss, meditate on corpses. They, they involve themselves in the very worst, most defiled taboo things. Um, so that, um, they see all things as God, not just something pure and wonderful as God, Hmm. you know? So there's sort of, um, there is that perspective in, um, Especially the split with botanists, but also in 16 deaths, uh, there is a um, searching for, uh, you know, um, um, a spiritual life in that transgression. Uh, But um, there is also a taking it too far, you know, which is a lot of the, you know, getting lost in that left hand path and uh, getting, you know, like you said, there's a lot of talk of drug use and, you know and also sometimes a line just sounds super fucking metal
1: (laughs) very metal (laughs) (laughs) i write to impress chris donaldson when i write i write extreme lyrics Mm -hmm. it's something i like to do it's something it's definitely not who i am i'm not a horrible murderer serial killer satanist there's nothing wrong with that um but when I write, I want to impress Chris Donaldson. I want to come into the studio and deliver a line and him go, Oh fuck. <laughs> That's so fuck I write to impress Chris Donaldson. So who do you write to impress?
0: Uh I'm gonna do the the gall answer Satan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean on I I I, I don't think I try, I write to impress anyone. I I'm j i am I just try you know, it's not even myself, it's just
1: Mm-hmm.
0: when i just write until it clicks in me you know i'm like has that is how it should be like that fits that is the puzzle piece this song has already existed somewhere in the ether and i finally found, found it
1: wow found the other oh, piece like that, that. Goes it. yeah very cool i like that very much being raised religious um and having diverged at such a young age it sounds like you were 12 you were saying that you were already Clicking that this wasn't yeah. happening, and I remember being around that age too when I was because I was raised very Catholic, and I chose I, I, you know Marilyn Manson was a big thing in my group of friends, and it really started to change our, our discussions of what was going on. Uh, what do your parents, if you're still in contact with them, if they're still around, uh, think about your lyrical content and the Thief in general? I
0: don't know. I I, I don't. I think they're just proud of me. Um, hmm. my, my dad's sort of, he's a lot older and sort of off in his world. So I'm not sure he, he's heard too much of it. Um, and my mom, I think she hears it and thinks it's cool, you know, and you know, I don't know if hopefully she doesn't read the lyrics, but, uh, if you, you know, if you do mom and if you're listening, you didn't do anything wrong. It's a form, it's a form, just, it's a form you know, of
1: self-expression. It's an art form.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, you should. I think transgression is is a beautiful way of going of of working with art, which the lyrics tend to be. Mm-hmm. His last album,
1: I think, there's a lot of really banger songs. The Lover Boy catches so evil and catchy, but it's super catchy. That's that's mm,
0: yeah. I, that's, that was my that was my intent for that song. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna make a catchy pop song. It's, it's super fucked up, fucked up. <laughs> i love
1: it uh something that i love that you're doing is that you mentioned it just before that the, the the split with botanist uh i love that in this modern scene of music uh even if you're not in the band anymore you guys can still collaborate and work together mm. and that's that's modern music back in the day it was black or white you were with or you weren't with and there was mm. drama And I really, really like that. So, so I think it's very cool. You're still working with them despite the fact you not being in the project anymore.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and Otrebor and I, the guy who who is botanist, you know, like we're, we're still good friends and it's like the way he sets it up is like, there's like a botanist family, you Mm. know, and, you know, and, and Robert, who used to play Hammer old is in it too. And it's, you know, if he's going on tour, you know, he might, he's hit me up before, but you know, I don't know, like a year or two ago, and being like, "Hey, would you want a tour or whatever?" And you're just—you're never quite out of the botanist family once you get in, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's nice.
1: It's a good thing. So it's an easy yes. Let's just do a split. Let's just yeah cover more ground.
0: Yeah, I knew he had a whole bunch of. He's got he 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 records pretty prol- prolifically and. You know, I had these ex—I had 16 deaths done, but I had all these, you know, five or six other tracks that I really liked, but they just didn't fit on the album. Mm-hmm. Different vibe. Yeah, different vibe. And, you know, it, it, the split has a lot more live instrumentation. It's like live drums. There's actual guitar um as the focal point. So, you know, I hit them up and I'm like, hey, I've got these extra songs, you know, do you want to do a?" a split. I know you've got extra shit and prophecy, prophecy said they'd put it out if you're down. So
1: yeah, very cool. Um, I have been filling the void of performing live by conducting these interviews, uh, uh, right before I sit down as the day approaches, I get that same little feeling of when I'm about to step on stage, the little goosebumps. Am I prepared? Am I going to fuck up? Uh, that's how I've been filling the void of performing live. How have you been filling the void of stepping onto stage?
0: Mm, i don't know i i don't i I like performing live but i i didn't really miss it
1: Uh, being the introvert Um,
0: being the introvert but also it was nice to have a break because thief is still at the point where it's like if i want to do a tour i have to do an insane amount of legwork. okay you know i'm i'm booking the tour i'm not using a booker and everything and so um it was sort of nice to have a year excuse to be like, yeah. I don't have fault. to do it. It's not my fault. Yeah, that's not my fault. I don't have to feel bad about it. <laughs> you know, so that was that my was, first that's... summer
1: home. I was like, well, I don't have to go do European festival tours and I get to hang out with my kids all summer. It's not my fault. You know? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like when you're sick and you get to lay in bed the for like best. a week and you're like, <laughs> I have to do it. Nothing I can do. But yeah, I mean, I kept pretty busy. So I don't, you know, I didn't quite notice it, but I'm ready. I'm, I'm poking around for some sort of you know small west coast tour in early mid 2022 uh it's pretty booked out there though
1: yeah it's gonna be rough yeah everyone wants yeah. to play everyone's released yeah. something and everyone wants to play yeah you know who you should tour with you know what i think when i hear like lover boy there's this band from denmark called priest
0: okay priest
1: yeah they're i Whispers. I don't know if it's true. Whispers that they're ex-ghost people. Oh, let me write this but, down. But it's it's dancey, dark electronic music.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check. Them I out. feel like,
1: yeah. especially the Lover Boy song would work. Work you know, the other stuff. You're much darker than them, but I think it would work. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you enjoy you're enjoying non-alcoholic beers now. If you could yeah. create a thief branded non-alcoholic beer what style of beer would it be and what would you call it because i love collabs i've released 33 collabs over the past three years Uh, i'm all about them
0: dang that's an excellent question i like this i think it would be oh i'm so torn i would like to have uh a belgian style beer and i would call it um i don't know what i'd call it
1: (laughs) 16 deaths of my master yeah
0: maybe 16 deaths you know and just
1: 16 deaths yeah yeah
0: that'd be that'd be pretty rad Uh, yeah i think for 16 deaths i feel like it'd be a belgian um but i feel like if i had one called after the first album it would be like a a deep chocolatey malty yeah i don't know why it's just just what i imagine drinking it
1: i love it i'm excited for that any brewery out there want to make a belgian for thief, non-alcoholic, Yeah, hit me up and I'll make it happen. Um, <laughs> it most Hell definitely yeah. doesn't happen to you anymore. I typically wrap up with this question, uh, but it doesn't happen to you anymore because you don't drink anymore. But back when you used to drink, um, what was your hangover cure? Mm,
0: fucking greasy Mexican food, Gatorade, um, and like... An honest wish for death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah amazing yeah
1: (laughs) Dylan thank you so so much for taking the time hanging out with me talking about your life music talking about no longer enjoying craft beers uh, but enjoying life instead even more uh, this was an absolute pleasure I really enjoyed myself and uh, everyone please go check out uh, his two new releases that came out this year The 16 Deaths of My Master and his split with botanists Citratrix and Diamond Brush it's they're both just killer 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 stuff Um, Dylan thank you so so much as rule cheers
0: thank you cheers to you
1: hey thank you all so so much for listening right today you know that i love and appreciate that man was this ever an amazing conversation I was just uh, so stoked to finally have a chance to chat with Dylan. I've been a fan of his music for quite some time. Uh, This is uh, not necessarily metal, but it is very disturbing. And if you have not checked out Thief, the 16 deaths of my master, you absolutely should. It actually made it into my top 10 albums of 2021. It is a great, great record. And I had an absolute blast connecting with Dylan. And I'm still thinking of some of the things that we spoke about throughout this conversation many months later, because we recorded this quite a few months ago. And I've been saving it for sober February. Massive thanks to you, Dylan. I greatly, greatly appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox & Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. Including all the details for any episodes, which I dropped throughout that past week. If I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as any little information on any new projects that I have in the works before I announced them to the public... And you will get to see the album reviews, which my album review crew have dropped throughout that past week. And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, Has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist that week. The Brutal Awakenings playlist is packed with the best, newest, most extreme music that drops every week. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify, and it's exactly what you're looking for. Trust me. There is just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be back on Friday with another episode for Vox and Hops Sober February 2022, which is presented by Pitch Black North, the Satanic Tea Company. But until then, please remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads.